The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. You're listening to The Birth Circle. I'm Sarah, and my guest today is Melissa Chapel. She's a midwife, a doula, childbirth educator, mother, woman extraordinaire. Okay, so um, so Melissa, how many hours of sleep have you gotten this week? Oh my gosh, it, that's... So last night I slept well, but the night before I went to bed at four, and the night before that I went to bed at three. And it... And it one of them was by choice, and one of them was because I was working. Those are the hours I work, you know? So, and the baby was born at like 7 p.m., but then we had some little bit of issues after, so we had to stay till about 3 in the morning. But it was a beautiful birth. Okay, so you're a midwife. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been a midwife? Well, officially, I've been, I mean, I've been, I started practicing in 2015. But I've been a birth worker for about 22 years. So how many births do you think you've been I started to? when I was two years old. Uh, that, the mouth right. works out. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> so how many births do you think you've been to? Uh, you know what? I am really bad at keeping track. Like other people, they know exactly when they hit their 500th birth. And I don't know. It's probably somewhere maybe a, a little over 500. Wow. I don't know. I mean, that doesn't seem like a lot, but... Keep in mind that, you know, as midwives and doulas, we're there for hours and hours and hours. We're not just, we don't just walk in at the end and catch the baby, you know? That's true. So That's true. So what is a birth worker? You say you're a birth worker before you were a midwife. What's a birth worker? Yeah. So a birth worker is anyone who assists in a birth and that can be, they can assist the mom emotionally, physically, or they can assist in the medical side of things. So they can do... Um, they can be a midwife assistant or they could be an like actual a midwife, a nurse. Yeah. Anybody who works in the field of birth doing anything to assist the mom and the family getting through the birth is a birth worker. Cool. So um, so what made you decide to be a midwife? So I had my first baby 24. Four years ago. Again, when you were two. <laughs> when Wait, I was two. Do the math. Okay, got it. <laughs> and uh, I remember I worked at a department store and I met this lady and she was also pregnant. And I said, like, how? Did you, you know? want to touch your belly? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody does, don't, don't they? Do Always that. ask permission. <laughs> ask permission. Always ask permission. Yeah, that's so weird. Like, would you ever go touch anyone's belly if they weren't pregnant? <laughs> Wouldn't that no. be right? Like you walk up to a man with a pot belly and you're like, hey, can Ooh, I touch how your How many belly? beers? Are <laughs> how many beers how did many it take to make that? How many beers you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah. So I, you know, when you're pregnant, you really want to connect, right? Like you really want to connect with people. And, um, because it's maybe it's like the first time you've done it, or even if it's not the first time, maybe it's your fifth time being pregnant, you're not around pregnant people all the time. And so it's really wonderful to be able to find that tribe while you're in it so that you can have that, um, have those, those people around you. So, um, I, you know, saw that she was pregnant and she worked in a different department. I worked in the men's department. Isn't that so funny? (laughs) And, um, 
she worked in a different department than me and she, you know, I just started talking to her one day and I said, you know, I know that I have a really high chance of having a C-section because that's just what people do. And, and I, um, I know that there's, you know, the whole epidural thing. And she was like, actually, she said, you know, there's another way. And I just didn't even know there was another way. And I found that that's a really common thing in society, especially in America. People, I, people don't even know what a midwife is. Nope. Like the, <laughs> or what's I, a doula? We'll yeah. get into that later. Yeah. So you just ran, randomly walked up to a stranger and you're like, hey, so I know I'm going to get a C-section. Well, C we worked at the same place, but okay, no, but yeah. Still. But I didn't know her very well. I mean, she worked in a different department. But you and, just asked her yeah, out and of the she blue. Said, she said, actually, so, you know, I'm taking these childbirth classes and I was like, tell me about them. I was, hmm. I was suddenly fascinated. And she said, you really, you wouldn't be interested. Like it's really out there. And I, and I was like, no, seriously, tell me like, what, what, why <laughs> do you mean? Get somebody's interest. Yeah. You wouldn't want it. Never, never mind. No, you would never want this right? method. <laughs> she, yeah. She probably did that on purpose, but, um, no, she didn't. But I, I said, tell me more about this. And she said, well, it's called the Bradley method. And it, the other name for it is husband coach childbirth. And remember that's, I, I don't believe personally that that's very, um, inclusive, that term, <laughs> that, that tagline. But remember this was well, 20, we were talking about the 1950s, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. When I was maybe the forties. <laughs> yeah. So were there even hospitals back then? Um, the, yeah, n no, I'm they, <laughs> there weren't, we did it under the bushes. So, um, yeah, she said it's the Bradley method and it's natural childbirth. I don't actually use the term natural childbirth anymore. Cause I think yeah. that, like, you know, well, everything if, about if your body natural, can make a baby and get it out no matter how you natural. do it. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's what's supposed to happen, right? So I, I always call it unmedicated birth nowadays, but mm -hmm. that's what it was called back then. And she said, she said it's 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 natural childbirth, no drugs. You just learn deep relaxation and your husband like coaches you through it. And I actually had a husband at the time, so that didn't seem weird to me. <laughs> Um, so I was like, give me all the information. Like I have to do this. And she, you know, expected for that. I would think she was a crazy person. So, and I didn't, so that was kind of cool. So, but it was nice to know that there was like this other person in my life, even though I, she was more of an acquaintance than a mm -hmm. friend that was, that was, had started considering things differently than just the average everyday person. Isn't considers. it amazing? Isn't it called like the butterfly effect? Just these tiny moments yes. in our life that completely change yes. our trajectory. Yes. So yeah, I ended I'm up eternally grateful to her, you know, for even introducing me to that. I'm sure I would have come to it in some way, but she introduced me to this teacher and um, we ended up taking the classes and they were really long. And she, she got me in um, to a class where it was like a private class. And so we just had these hours and hours and hours to practice deep focused relaxation. A, a, a lot of people call it hypno hypnosis now, mm. self-hypnosis, because mm -hmm. I you can't actually hypnotize me. Like <laughs> if you put me up on a stage and tried to, I'm not. Me neither. I've, people have tried many times. So it's not that, it's learning how to deeply self-relax, mm -hmm. right? So so I did it and, um, and I ended up I actually was giving birth at a military hospital. Isn't that crazy? Because my husband oh at the time was a Marine. <laughs> so I remember like, you know, the the problem with the method 24 years ago, that method 24 years ago, they've changed a lot. I've heard, I don't, I don't know that much about it. So I don't want to say anything bad about them. But 24 years ago, that method was really 
they it was really sort of anti-hospital um, and anti-OB and anti-lots of well, things, even the thing, though... The thing I've noticed, though, is that everything swings. Like, if, you, if you're hardcore does. one way, then the only yeah. way to balance it is to swing totally. way crazy yes. the other way. And so it looks and like... And back then, you know, that that's probably what we yeah. needed in order to start making change, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And change had already started happening in the, you know, the early 70s, late 60s. And he was born in 19... 19- 1994. So it wasn't, I wasn't like yeah. <laughs> one of those, you know, but, uh, so did you and feel pressured to do pioneers. like an out of hospital birth or like a No, not at or? all. So, so they were, it, the, the, the interesting thing was that they were super anti-hospital, anti-drugs, but they never talked about alternatives besides being in yeah. the hospital I was say, without using suggest? drugs. <laughs> yeah. So it was all car, about like, car births. N- no, car births. <laughs> seriously. No, it was all about giving birth in the hospital, but saying no to everything. Like being really, oh, yeah. That's hard. Yeah. And in the example birth plans that they gave us were things like, we refuse this, we refuse this, don't do this. You can only do this in case of this. Wow. And, way to make friends with yeah, your doctor right, and your right? nurses, right? Yeah. So, but it ended up being really good for me because I'm just an inherently nice person anyway, I think. I hope, I hope I am. But I, so I, so at this military hospital, I saw several doctors. I never saw the same one. Like every single prenatal visit was a different doctor. And it was always some military dude, you know, and he's like, hey, yeah, unmedicated (laughs) birth. Like I've never even seen that. That's the craziest thing ever. Like I guarantee you're not going to be able to do it. Like absolutely you'll have an epidural. And I thought... I'm doing this. I mean, the more you say, well, right. I can't. Again, that reverse psychology yeah, totally. thing. <laughs> and I was like, maybe it will be really, really hard. But so, so on, so I started into labor not too soon after my due date, which was pretty awesome. And every time it would start to get pretty intense, I would, it, things would way slow down. And now I recognize, I mean, then I didn't, but now I recognize that I was terrified of going to that hospital. And part of it was because of what I had been told about hospitals in my class, you know? So I was completely prepared with the relaxation. I had my birth Mm. plan, my like military birth plan, you know, (laughs) just kidding. But well, they're probably used to giving orders, but not taking orders. Yeah, no, (laughs) totally. So I was like ready, you know, but I all, but I had never felt it before. I didn't know what I, you know, what to expect. And that's like, that's the crazy thing about birth when you're doing it for the first time is you don't know what to expect. But the great thing is that you always have this buildup, right? Almost always have this this buildup where you can go, oh, that's what a contraction feels like. And I can still talk and I can still go to the bathroom. I can still go watch a movie and I can still... Yeah. So it's nice that we have that. So that's kind of the way mine mm-hmm. started. It, it ended up, I'll try to shorten the story a little bit, but it ended up that... Four days later, I finally went to the hospital because I was so you terrified. Four daily. But I kept, I kept stopping it. It never stopped. Yeah, the okay, contractions early. never stopped for more than about twenty minutes. But and they were pain. I would call them painful. They were uncomfortable. But I kept every time we'd get ready to go to the car. I would get so scared that they would totally stop. Oh my goodness. So part of, so I was really empowered in one sense, but in the other sense, I was really disempowered. I was terrified of the staff in the hospital, but I was not so terrified of actual birth. I was just terrified because obviously I was laboring fine, right? At home. It was great. I was doing great with all these contractions. When I finally decided to go, it was for a prenatal. I had a prenatal visit scheduled. So I'm like, you might I'll as just well go. go to the prenatal mm-hmm. visit. And um, and I went in and it was a woman military doctor, which I hadn't seen because they were few and far between back yeah. then. 
and she had a wrist brace on and she was wearing Birkenstocks. And so now Birkenstocks <laughs> are like red, right? They're like the cool thing. All the cool kids wear I don't know. I've always kind of thought they were cool, but, <laughs> but, but, but in the me. olden days, in the uh-huh. olden days, because I'm so old, in the olden days, it was like only hippies wore Birkenstocks. Like you'd have to be a pretty hardcore hippie. And I'm pretty sure I wore my Birkenstocks that day to the hospital that day. I, I'm oh, pretty sure I have. moment. Like, yeah. And so I was well, like. Well, you are like 15 months pregnant. So the Birkenstocks right? would probably no, be the totally. only thing that would fit. And I was in Hawaii too. Oh, there you so go. So it was really hot. So I remember I remember looking at her Birkenstocks and I was like, okay, and she's a woman. Maybe I, maybe she won't be like every other man OB that I've encountered. And I'm not bashing man OBs. That's just what my experience right. was. she's in the this. first one. Yeah, so she was the first you're one. You're like, who are you? Yeah, so I, I was like, I was like, hey, cool Birkenstocks. Look at mine. You know, like I kind of tried to get in with her and get a feel for whether or not she was open to my, what I was doing before I told her, cause I'd gotten so much backlash with everybody else. And then, and I said, oh my gosh, what happened to your wrist? And she's like, oh, I was hiking at Kailua Falls or whatever, which is like a favorite hiking spot of mine. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's a hiker. She's a hippie. Like, let me, you know, try it. So I said, so, um, I'm wanting to do an unmedicated birth. And she, and she's like, that's really cool. And I, I just, really? yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, I got my person. Like, how long are you on call? And I knew I had been in labor, but I didn't tell her, you know, and she's, she said, do you want to, should we just do a check and like, see if your cervix ooh, is starting ooh, to ooh. open or anything? And I'm like, sure. Like, she said, yes, please. Yeah. And she said, have you table. been having any contractions? And I was like, no, not really. I mean, <laughs> I literally cannot lie. Like, I am the worst yes. <laughs> liar ever. I can't do it. But I was so, so, so scared that she would force me to stay. Oh, or yeah. that, you know, that they'd come mm-hmm. running in. They'd be like, "Get, we got to give you your IV, go to the hospital. And I, and so I was just kind of terrified. So I was like, no, not really. Like I was trying to kind of tell the truth, but not really, you know? And she checked me and I was four centimeters and she was like, mm. are you sure you haven't <laughs> been having any contractions? And I was like, I felt a little safer with her then, you know? And so I said... Yeah, I've been, I have been having some contractions. And she said, she said, look, I'm going to be on call the rest of the night. Why don't you go walk around? We'll see if we can get you. And, you know, like, I know you, she told me to be there now. And I said, I don't want to. And she said, great, go walk around the mall and come back. So, and I was like, felt so much safer now because I found an ally, right? That actually worked at the hospital. So to make a very, I'm so sorry, I'm stretching this story out. No, you're fine. But I do, like, since you're a midwife, I do want to ask you about the physiological reason why your body will stop labor? Oh if my you're gosh, in fear. I would love. Do you want me to answer that right now? I kind of do. I would love to talk about that. I, I talk kinda, about that all the time because it's like you can shove it where the sun don't shine only so long. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> yeah, totally. So I had this. Um, I had this. Uh, this. I, I mean, I do interviews all the time for people looking for a midwife, right? And I and every single interview. I just had one yesterday. Every single interview, people say so. Like, what do the visits look like? And blah blah blah. And I say, well, you know, our visits are the same schedule as what you would get at an OB. The biggest difference is that their the average OB visit is three minutes, and oh, our goodness. average visit is an hour. Like we schedule an hour for everybody. And she she just visibly like relaxed her body inside, and she's like, that's what I'm looking for. I want connection. This is uh, like she really understood that this was a normal physiological process in a woman's life. Mm -hmm. And she wanted someone who would support her in that Mm -hmm. and also be able to talk to her. And I said, you know, we hear from a lot of people and um, insurance people or 
maybe OBs who aren't that supportive of what we do, we hear that like, that's just fluff, you know, like that's all nice and good, but Mm -hmm. I mean, who can run a business like that? And that's just an extra little fluffiness, but I, I, it's not, I mean, it's wonderful, but also it makes, makes my job easier because I, if I can spend time getting to know somebody, getting to know their fears, their concerns, their worries, Mm there, what, what happened this week? How was your week? I mean, we've had people come in several times with blood pressure that we're not happy with. And Mm -hmm. we say, what's going on? And then they tell us that they almost got in a car wreck on the way here and their husband and them got in a fight last night. And, and, and then we're like, oh, you know, let's, let's talk for a minute. Let's talk it out. Let's maybe do a relaxation technique together. Let me give you a hand massage while we're talking. Like, let's just, let, let's calm down for a minute and then take your blood pressure. And then guess what? The blood pressure has gone down because they've Mm. had someone to talk to. So the physiological processes of birth, if you can spend time building that trust and helping somebody to feel safe, then when it comes time for labor and birth, it's going to, it's always going to go more smoothly. You've heard the story. Even if it's hard. Of like the cats that will like scream at you if, you know, if yeah. under the, they'll go into the bed and they'll scream at you if you try and touch them while they're trying to yeah. give, give birth. And yeah. then we expect women to give birth in a big open room with, with strangers. strangers. And, yeah, you I know, mean, maybe you've seen your OB a couple times. If they're in a practice, you know, you've seen them two or three times mm-hmm. along with all the other OBs, but you've never met the nurses. You've never met the CNAs that are coming in to clean, clean stuff up. You've never met the janitors. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had, I had one birth where I had 12 strangers come in. One of them was a maintenance man fixing a chair. And I was like, Excuse this me. mom <laughs> is in labor. <laughs> like the chair can wait. Yeah. Sorry. I'm hitting the table. <laughs> I'm so, like getting really, <laughs> <laughs> wow. really adamant right now. Um, so, I mean, people kind of forget that at, at the basic level, we are animals. Like yes. are we all have a body just yes. like every other mammal. And so yeah. you see a cow, she can't give birth if she's being chased. She can't, yeah. A cat can't give birth if you keep swatting her out from mm-hmm. underneath the bed. So how do you expect a female human yeah. to give birth? When like the maintenance dude is over in the corner fixing a chair, like how, how yeah. you have to, I mean, you wouldn't be able to have sex in that situation. <laughs> no, no. So what you're saying is basically the same situation where you have sex should be kind of how you give birth. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be <laughs> except an for inti- the <laughs> except for other yeah, and obviously doula, other people are going to be there. And don't forget your photographer <laughs> yeah. and your videographer, please. Yeah, and, and if the mother in law, Sarah, then it, and your yeah, mother, and it's you. Yeah, but if you feel comfortable and safe with all those people, then it's okay. You know, it's not the yeah. same exact as sex. I mean, we talk about it sometimes as birth workers, like it is, but it's not. It's not exactly the same. But that same type of energy where you feel safe and you're able to feel safe and be vulnerable is obviously wow. what we need to have That'd happen, be ideal, right? yeah. So going back to your question about why does it, why does it matter physiologically? So when, let's just use this old, old, this person, for example, that I was just talking about with the maintenance man. So she's in hospital, she's in the bed, she's doing a great job laboring. Um, the maintenance guy walks in and what happens to her physiologically? So f- the first thing that happens is she opens her eyes who's in my space, like yeah. her awareness suddenly, her her focus suddenly becomes um, external. Focused. Yes, external instead of internal, where, where before she was working really well internally, right? So it suddenly becomes external. She's using all of her external senses, her, her sight and her hearing specifically. Um, like, what is this person doing? Is this person mm-hmm. safe? Is it, do I need to 
watch over myself? Do I need to call for safety? You know, all these instincts that are heightened in birth mm-hmm. because heightened these maternal instincts. Yeah. Yeah. So you're mama bear, right? Like you're, you're just, you're fierce when you're in labor. You're fierce about everything and everyone. And well, fierce, not like mad or, no, or screaming. No, fierce, but, like powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like powerful. Yeah. So if, so if the, if the guy comes in, then she first opens her eyes and then she has to interpret all that information. Right. So her brain has to interpret. So she's still not focused. And I always tell people, and I try to choose my words carefully. When you're in labor, you have to be in your animal animal brain. Yeah. And it it scares people sometimes to hear that because we do everything in our power to get as far away from being animals as we can, right? So true. But we are still, we're mammals, whether mm-hmm. we like it or not. <laughs> we still have animal instincts. We still have these but instincts. surrendering to that yeah. is, is sometimes what makes things go faster yes, too because your exactly. animal brain knows how yeah, to birth. Just you, like your body knows totally, how to do this. Totally. And what uh, what is the thing that gets in the way is our logical brain. So if her logical brain's have to, having to interpret all of this stuff, then it's having to interpret the sounds. Then she's having to interpret like the estimation of how long she thinks he might be here based on what he's doing. And then she has to interpret how long is she going to shut her animal brain down and, mm-hmm. until she can get back into that because she doesn't really feel safe right now being in her animal brain with this random stranger yeah. sitting over here in the corner. So then she may feel a little bit nervous and scared. So then she releases adrenaline, catecholamines, stress hormones. She starts releasing these stress hormones. And the primary way that we give birth is from the release of oxytocin, right? So we have these oh, huge so then releases. you have this chemical experiment going on in your body. Yeah. You've got your cortisol heightened, your adre- uh, yeah. adrenaline, yes. and then your oxytocin. Cortisol, adrenaline. Yeah. So you've got you've got oxytocin and these other hormones. I mean, oxytocin is the love hormone, right? And, and, and it's hard to release oxytocin if you don't feel safe. Like if someone mm-hmm. starts yelling at you that you love, you're not going to feel very loving Mm-mm, toward no. them. Your oxytocin and you're definitely levels. not going to give birth in front yeah, of them. <laughs> exactly. So, so then what interferes with the production of oxytocin for her? You know, the, the mm-hmm. stress hormones, the catecholamines. And the it's adrenaline. probably different for each person, right? Yeah. Like for me, I don't mind lights. In fact, I wanted lights yeah. on for my birth because mm-hmm. I wanted my yeah, good video. And I, and I actually for some hate people, lights. Yeah. They have to have it really dark. Yeah. So what is it for? And for me though, it's um, when I was having a, um, a contraction of surge, I, nobody could talk. Yeah. If they talked, I wanted to yes. slap them. Yeah. But then I've been to births where women are chatty and yeah. fun and, and, they and laugh. they're laughing. They want us to laugh through the contractions until they don't. And then you know. <laughs> then you know the baby's going to come out soon, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So so for this woman, I mean, she ended up having you know this pretty positive experience um, considering that that was one of the 12 strangers that walked into her. I, I mean, I got to the point where I started counting because I was like, it's ridiculous. What is happening right now? And it's a basic disrespect of the space yeah. too. I mean, yeah. we're not getting into any other birth physiology. I mean, it's like, we have a whole other podcast we could do on that, yes, right? Like on respecting, respecting the, birth- the birthing mm-hmm. mom. Yeah. But she, so she ended up having this experience that she felt was fairly positive, but it could have been easier. It could mm-hmm. have possibly been more transformational. It could have been a little bit less painful, you know, if she wouldn't have had to master all these little tiny events that came in while she was, yeah. you know, trying to labor. So how so, did you do on this first birth? So, like how many so maintenance I, men were in your room? Right. Oh my gosh. Because I bet all the doctors wanted to see this crazy lady they giving did, birth. They did, actually. Oh, they did. Yes. So you got that, they so got there the popcorn. Were, so, the... Yes, they did. So I, <laughs> so she sent me to go walk around, right? So I went and walked around for like 
a few hours. I came back and I was six centimeters. And they're like, let's just keep wow, you nice. in. So here's the kicker. I got in at like 9 p.m. at night and I was six centimeters. It took me another 12 hours to get my baby out. So first- I only pushed for about 45 minutes. So that's not, that's actually amazing for a first time mm-hmm. mom. He wasn't huge. He's He's like football player size now. So really quick, because you're a midwife, I want to ask you yeah. lots of questions. So what is the centimeter thing? What is a centimeter? I mean, a baby's head is this, is a baby's head 10 centimeters? No, it's not. I actually so just posted we... something about this the other day on Instagram. I posted like myself measuring a baby's head and I asked the question, I, you know, I said what the averages are. And then I asked the question, like, how many of you have, like, what are, tell, throw out the yeah. sizes of your baby's head. I was really, really curious. And so we see, we see like 12.5 is on the way, way, way low end. And then we see 15. Yeah. Like we saw, like 15 is on the high end. I had a, an 11 pound one-year-old born the oh. other day. <laughs> a teenager. I was like, you just birthed a one-year-old. Wow. Um, that was 15 and a quarter. Oh my goodness. And I thought that was like the biggest that I would ever see. But then some of the people responded that their babies were 15 and a half. And oh, I was like... My lens. So so is it is the measurement kind of objective? Inches, by the way. Yes. So everybody's cervix doesn't get to exactly 10 centimeters. I mean, we're different. Our bodies are different. What, when a cervix is gone, when we can't feel it anymore, when it's mm-hmm. when it's been pulled up into the uterus. Okay, becomes, wait, Do you wait, want wait. me to back up? Well, we no, have I'm like, just trying to understand the physiology. Like I think of a cervix as this tight, tight, like you're yeah. holding your fist and it's between your, you know, your So think and- of it as a balloon. Right. Oh, Think of the uterus as okay. a balloon, and and the and the bottom of the balloon is the neck of the balloon. Right. We call it the cervix. Is the neck of the mm-hmm. uterus. So you have you. So the balloon, so like what does it mean to disappear? So it, just it melts becomes, away like butter. Mm. <laughs> so yes, wouldn't that be great? I actually tell people, I'm like, think of just your cervix as like butter. melting butter. I'm just kidding. I I would only actually, do that if it worked for somebody. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So Are they on keto? If, <laughs> only if they like butter. Yes. If they don't like. Butter we means something like coconut oil. No, I'm just kidding. But so, so the the neck of the uterus is the cervix. So a lot of people think the cervix is like a thing that's separate from the uterus, and it's not. It's connected. It's part of the uterus. Oh, I thought so, it was like a separate, like little opening that you open and close on. Nope, it's connected okay. to the uterus. So you. Ha- so what happens is the uterus has muscle fibers that are amazing. So side note about the uterus, it's the strongest muscle in the human body, stronger than any muscle a man has. <laughs> just, it, just to put that just in there. To, just to toss okay. that in there. I, super, I, I, men are great. I, men are amazing. We need them. And we, we should have another podcast on, on that, on respecting men in the birth room. For sure. that is mm. something we that we overlook a lot. Okay, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll do that for an, another podcast. Um, but th- so the so the muscle fibers go horizontally and vertically, right in the uterus, and it's amazing because when a woman has a contraction, those horizontal muscles are kind of pushing the baby downward, and the vertical muscles are kind of pulling the cervix up and open. So that all happens at the same time. Um, Is that why it sometimes hurts? Like, (laughs) what's the hurt from? It's just a muscle, right? Yeah, but it's like, think of the... Think of like lifting weights, you know, and uh, when you and, at a certain point, I guess yeah, it at hurts. a certain point, okay. you're like working so hard, right, with those weights, and that's what uh, the uterus is. It's a muscle, so it's a it's a contraction of the muscle. Okay, so that's what a contraction is. It's the muscle contracting. So, but it's like the muscle is is hollow and amazing and like a balloon and like no muscle 
no other muscle that exists and it has this human inside of and it, it, right? And it only works like <laughs> the when you're in labor. Like yeah. you can't willingly contract your uterus muscle no, in the middle of the month. No, it's involuntary. Yeah, yeah it's an involuntary thing. muscle. Yeah. So, and, and I always tell people, I say, you know, when you're, if your uterus is contracting, that means you're healthy. Like that means it's working. So... It, that's a that's another subject to mm-hmm. the pain of labor, right? Like, why do we have it? But so that so that cervix gets pulled open, and the pressure of the baby's head from being pushed down also helps it to pull open. So you've got this pressure from the outside and mm-hmm. also from the inside of the uterus that's helping that cervix to open up. And when that cervix no longer is a neck anymore, when it's pulled back and has become part of the uterus, so what it looks like is if you had the balloon but you cut the neck off, but we're not cutting the neck off. Oh, okay. So when the cervix, it just kind of pulls up into the uterus area and it just kind of, and then it just opens the way. And it thins out like paper thin, like the the size of it. uh, Like a balloon that you cut off that that lip part. Yeah. The size of an average cervix length when it's not, um, when you're not in labor is about two and a half to three and a half inches long. And, um, and the, and then a, a, big around, it's about an inch-ish around, mm-hmm. an inch and a half around. And then there's like this little indentation in the middle, right? So that all, and it's th- thick, like from the indentation to the edge of the cervix is probably a good half inch. I've heard somebody uh, say it's like you're pursing your lips. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then as it like disappears, it thins out and it it ju- it becomes part of the uterus. So when, when we feel a cervix and we say you're 10 centimeters dilated, it means that we can't feel the cervix anymore. Like we, it's gone. It's, it's gone up above the baby's head and it's become part of the baby's head. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm sorry, the not part of the baby's head. That well, would be weird. <laughs> that would be a whole other thing. <laughs> yes. Part of the uterus. So it, so it, it's not necessarily exactly 10 centimeters. So I had one person comment and she said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I mm. thought our cervix is only open 10 centimeters. How does a baby with a 15 inch head come through that? See the math. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It seems really back. It seems really off. Right. So first of all, it's stretchy. It stretches. Mm-hmm. The cervix stretches. It's a stretchy thing. So it can stretch and open as that baby's head comes through. Um, also babies don't come through with that diameter that we measure. They come through with the occipital Cone diameter. Head. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So they a come through with head. that smaller diameter, which is closer to 10 centimeters than the, oh, okay. the diameter that we measure, which is from the frontal bone to the occipital bone. So that that diameter is way bigger. And sometimes we do have babies come out like that and we're like, hey, hey, little baby. Let's put it back together mommy. here. Your poor mommy. Well, I'm just thinking, like, doesn't that give the baby a headache? Like, I'm just wondering, feel like, <laughs> physiologically, what does that do to the baby? So the baby has several bones in the skull that are mm-hmm. not fused yet. And right. that's like... The, but their brain like, is like mushy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so all those bones, the reason that they're not fused is because they're meant to kind of overlap right. and push together as the baby's coming out. If we were put under that kind of pressure... As adults, we, we would, would die. die for sure. Yeah, so babies can be under an enormous well, amount of pressure. Well, I heard that um, babies, human babies, are actually born still as as fetuses, but they that because of our head size, our brain size, we have to exit the mother before we get too big, yeah. or we'll never get out. Yeah. So that first trimester, that the three months after birth, yeah. they're still a fetus. Yeah. Like they're still. Yeah, I like to. I, I we like. So when to you feel say, so terrible because you haven't gotten to sleep or anything for the first three yes. months because you're actually a uterus. Yeah, you're like seriously, a you're still you're still the incubator. You're yeah. the outside incubator for your baby. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so true. So so it the body is 
absolutely extraordinary. It works in extraordinary ways. So do you want me to finish telling you? My yeah, birth I wanna, story? yeah, I want to know how the baby came out. So, um, so I ended up getting back to the hospital and I was six centimeters and that was about 9 PM. And the lady, the awesome OB was still there. And she was like so supportive of everything. She was so awesome. But then this like, um, really kind of conceited doctor walked in behind her and he's like, I, I think if I remember correctly, he was about to, um, go on shift and take over her shift, you know, oh dear. I know. And so he's like, gosh, this is taking so long. Let's just break your water. You'll have a baby. So, and I'm in this vulnerable state. Like, I don't know, you know. Well, so, and you're also coming out of a place of trust because you really totally, like this other OB. So. Yeah. Well, and you're, and I'm in, I'm almost in transition at this point. I mean, I probably was, I was probably like seven or eight at this point. Mm-hmm. So he breaks my water and he's just like staying there with his arms folded, like really no respect, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like Perform. let's get this baby out. Totally. So when I started pushing, I mean, things went pr- pretty straightforward after that. So I start pushing and, um, and like the whole room just fills up with people cause they just had never seen somebody that had had a birth without medication. You're like, welcome, welcome there, to my yeah, space. <laughs> and my dad was there and my dad and oh my, my dad and I are super, super close, but like the modesty thing, like my dad's always been really, um, like he, he feels shy around people in swimsuits sure. and stuff, you know? So, but he was fascinated. He was, he <laughs> oh was my like, goodness. and I felt completely comfortable with him. Well, there. yeah, because the, the hormones at birth too, people don't realize that you, you're giving off a pheromone, you're giving off yeah. hormones too. And a woman, um, it's almost like she puts her birth workers in a trance. Like totally. in, if you're coming in and out, like um, well, and it's a you don't get that. Too, but if you're, right? if you're in her yeah. space for a long time, yeah. you feel completely yeah. different about the birth than yeah. you do if you're just walking in on the yeah, space. Yeah, totally. So yeah, and I mean, part of that is probably part of like, there. Ha- I always talk about how, like, why do we think there? Do- it doesn't have to be magical in a room for a human to come on the planet. Like, yeah. why do we why think... Why does it have to be a medical? Yeah, why does why, it have to be so sterile? Yeah. I mean, I think the medical, you can have. I believe you can, you can have the medical I've support seen some really and beautiful, magic the same. You totally can. I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. I've seen some really beautiful, beautiful medical experiences. Births. Yeah. where but, but where it starts, where that magic starts is with respect, you know? That's what the magic so, is. So yeah. it could be high risk. It could be like... Well, I've we been have, to a C-section. It was just magical. Yeah. It was beautiful. Right? Because mm-hmm. every... Because everyone was in it together. It was like the team, you know, and everybody was supporting this woman through it and everyone respected her and Mm -hmm. everyone saw her as a a real person, a human being who has emotions and worries and fears and, and joys, you know, and they respected that. And then also the other part of respect in those births that we've seen that have been really magical is that the baby's respected, the process is respected, right? And that this human is coming to this planet for the very first time. It's an actual human. Like it should be magical, Mm -hmm. right? So no matter what kind of birth you're having, it can be that way if people respect you Mm -hmm. and treat you mm-hmm. like a human <laughs> and treat you with respect. I mean, I, I'm going to say respect like 75 more times, yeah. but yeah. And so. also respect really is objective. Like yeah. what is, that's why you take so much time to get to know your clients is because yes. you want to know what, how they feel respected. Yes, yes mm-hmm. exactly. For some people, it's like, I had a client recently who had a pretty traumatic first birth experience. And with her second one, she had like some 
really very strong parameters on what she wanted that would make her feel safe because she was dealing with trauma. And we, we were like, we got this, Mm -hmm. like we got, and we got this amazing birth Mm -hmm. team together. Yeah. And I asked her at her postpartum visit just recently, I said, how do you feel about your birth? And she said, she just sighed and she said, oh my gosh, it was so healing. And I think one of the biggest components that I noticed personally from her first birth to her second birth was that people touched her and they said, you know, like, Good job. I mean, it's it's well, so and that, small, see, right? there's an example because in birth, I don't really love to be touched. Yeah, I exa- want, but well, I loved. You can't say good job, Sarah. Enough. Like after yeah, every right? contraction, yeah. my whole team would be like, "Good job, Sarah." And yeah. I was like, "This should be annoying me, but it's not." Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need the, it's whatever works for mm-hmm. you, and sometimes that changes. Yeah. But this mom actually didn't want to be touched either. Oh. But we ended up like her doula just ended up putting a hand on her, and she just melted. Melted. And you could tell, and she just, you could tell that that's, that it had sort of changed for her a little bit. And I wondered if in her first birth, she just didn't feel safe with the people. Yeah. So she didn't want to be touched in the first birth because she didn't feel safe. So it wasn't necessarily about the touch, right? It wasn't ever about the touch for her. Mm -hmm. It was always about, do I feel safe with these people? Oh, interesting. And then when she felt safe, then the touch was like, sort of. she liked it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, so you obviously had a baby. Yes. You're not still pregnant. So he came out. Later, yeah. So there later. were like a million people in the room and um, many of them were, they were pretty respectful. You know, no one gave me an episiotomy, which back then, wow. Wow. Right? Yeah. But I mean, I had vehemently refused An episiotomy so. <laughs> is the cutting of the perineum. Yes. To, help, to make the to space make the opening bigger. bigger which yeah. And we have. Super helpful. We have <laughs> a pile of research. I mean, we have enough research that could fill a room on why it's not necessary. That said, I have cut an episiotomy yeah, before. I've seen it too. It, because it can be necessary, but there are only these very, very, mm-hmm. very strict parameters for when it's necessary. Yeah. We'll very talk strict. about that yes, later. Yes, we can have that in a different... But you didn't yeah. get an episiotomy. Yeah, and I didn't tear. And really? Yeah, and he... and I mean, he was he was fairly little. He was 6'11", and he came out in this sweet little angel. Like, it was amazing and magical. And I actually had people there that did, that I did feel safe with, you know? So I had Mm -hmm. um, my mom and dad were there and my birth partner and my husband at the time, like I felt, uh, not my birth partner. She was actually my childbirth educator. She just showed up and I didn't even invite her, but then in the end, I was really glad that she was there. (laughs) Yeah. So the relaxation ended up really working for me. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to like mm-hmm. afterward, I was like, everybody I talked to has these horrible experiences and mine wasn't horrible. It was really empowering and amazing. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult and hard. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but also I did it. And I, I like had this transformation. Right. And so I just decided I want to be a birth worker. So then I became a Bradley instructor <laughs> and I ended up only teaching it for about a year. Cause I, I just didn't feel comfortable with the harshness of it. That said, that was 24 years. That was well, a, like a quarter that, century again, ago. It depends on the personality. It really. does. Like, and it's, it's really just, changed and a I'm lot. And I'm so grateful that nowadays we have so many modalities. Totally. We have the Bradley and And I know great and, Bradley instructors and they, um, they, it's not, these days it's not all focused on the partner doing mm-hmm. everything and it's not, and I don't think they use the But it was a huge step for the time. Anymore, all the time. Yeah, but it was yeah, a huge step for that for time. For that period. time, it was like yeah. what we Radical. responded to. Yeah. yeah. It, I mean, I responded to it. It's what we needed. Yeah. Yes. But I, I felt kind of bad about the making people feel guilty for medication and stuff like that because I had yeah. some people that had to have 
I had one person who had to have a necessary cesarean and she ended up feeling really guilty because of what she had learned in class. So I ended up just going and teaching my own, I, I created my own curriculum. I got it approved by a few people that I felt like were mentors of mine, like a labor and delivery mm-hmm. nurse and some midwives. And you just make it up. And then yeah. I taught that for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> and were you a, you were a doula at the time? So too? I became a doula partway through and that. And what's the difference yeah. between a doula and a midwife? Every, I, I get that Everything. Quite, this question <laughs> asked all the time. So that to sum it up in one sentence, mm-hmm. the doula doesn't do anything in medical but the midwife is in charge of all the medical stuff. So that's your sentence, but I'll expound a tiny yeah. bit more. So the doula does, she, she, she does physical, emotional, and informational support, non-medical support, meaning, so she can tell you about medical things. She can give you information about medical things, but she doesn't call the shots. No. She doesn't say we're going to... Well, in a scope of practices, she totally. needs to be very careful. I, yeah. She's she's mostly for support, physical yeah. and emotional Physical support. and emotional and informational is kind of how and I say it. And to give you your drinks. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. And to also support the family, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the partner, whoever, whomever mm-hmm. is there with the mom... That person needs support as well. Um, and then the midwife is in charge of the life of the mom and the baby. Yeah. So they're actually doing all the medical work. Yeah. Like the monitoring of the baby. But we but midwives also offer emotional and physical support as well. Um, but I love doulas. I love doulas. And you are a trainer now. Yeah. So yeah. I became a trainer like 15 years ago. So how many doulas do you think you've trained in your... Hundreds. And so how many do how many births do you think those doulas have attended? Oh my gosh. So how many millions of babies have you been able to touch? Well that I it's actually so that's one of the exercises I do at the end of my doula trainings is we talk about like each one of you is going to go on to touch the lives. It's a ripple lives. effect. It is. Because this lady that, that you is. met with when you were pregnant with your first, she's completely changed the lives yeah. of millions right? of babies and moms. She has no idea. I wish she I remembered no her name, I know. where she was. Where, yeah. where is she on Facebook? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so amazing how yeah. we can influence um, a mom and we can show a mom how she can have a safe birth yeah. and what the safe means to her. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it can be beautiful and magical. The circumstances don't matter. The people do though. Yeah. I mean, for, for many women, the circumstances might be undesirable. <laughs> like a car. Although that sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty exciting. <laughs> Sorry, I keep yeah, going I've back to that. that but it no, sounds... I've had that. I've had that. It's the only type of birth I haven't witnessed yet. So I really want <laughs> anybody want to sign up to let me. <laughs> yeah. To, to let you see their car, their car birth. birth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only we could predict birth, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for oh my goodness. letting me take up your entire You know, I, I, I know you quite well, but I'd never heard your first birth story. And I think um, there's so much value in sharing birth stories because then women can see what somebody else did and, yes. like, well, and take the elements that should belong to her yeah. story and just pull. It's like a buffet. Yes. I was just thinking of my first cruise when I was like yeah. the big, you know. And you can choose you whatever get to you want. Yeah. whatever you want. You get to do whatever and you not want. not any one person is going to pick exactly what nope. you picked, right? Nope. Yeah. And then you can also have your plan B and your plan C and your plan D. And you have an all... I actually do that for all my clients. What makes you feel safe mm-hmm. if it goes to plan C? Yeah. What yeah. will still make it a positive mm-hmm. experience for you? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. It's so awesome to be here with you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.
And thank you to Launchpod Media, who produces these podcasts.